the lie the poetry tells is constant as the truth itself without the lies and the false beliefs where would we be where would we be welcome to the state of the theory podcast i'm hannah and i'm an india and we are your theory doctors Hello. Hi there. Welcome back. Hope you've all been well. We are talking today about religion and heritage and church and state. And why are we talking about this? We're talking about this because uh, Notre Dame de Paris, big cathedral in Paris, uh, part of it burnt down this week. Yes. And... uh, this story is all over our feeds. It's all over the news. People have had uh, pretty emotional responses to to this event. Um, the images are quite striking. We found it topical. We do a podcast that we like to think is topical. So yes, there we go. Yes, and the the debates insofar as there has been a debate on this in in our social our social media world has been, on the one hand, people exhibiting genuine sadness and grief and mourning, which takes the form of people talking about their personal memories and reflections and responses uh, to the space that, that, that was the cathedral, that is the cathedral, you know, people putting holiday photos and so on. Uh, and on the other hand, uh, a kind of more critical uh very broadly described left-wing response which talks about the hierarchies of sadness if you like so that the fact that uh the same day the Luxor mosque in jerusalem almost burned down thankfully it was saved but that wasn't reported i've seen a lot of lot of comparisons between the amount of money that was raised immediately uh to to rebuild notre dame versus the response to to grenfell tower in london and when you know people died uh, and and that's been a running theme, which is uh, people saying, yes, okay, it's sad that a, that a building burned down, but it was still a building as opposed to human lives. And uh, what happens when either human lives are valued at l- as less important than a building or particular other buildings to do with, let's say, black churches in the deep south in America or other, other buildings that relate to other religions you know mosques uh, we'll talk a little bit about the babri mosque in, in ayodhya in india uh, when that was deliberately destroyed and and it is in this context that we we would like to to situate our episode yes there's a uh, there's a really interesting thing going on where i mean i guess it feels like camps or it feels like you if you feel one way, you can't feel the other. If you feel some sort of sadness or nostalgia or um, kind of regret or longing ab- about Notre Dame, then y- your kind of liberal credentials are suspect. Um, and on the flip side, if you don't, if you don't see some of the the hierarchies at play, some of the inequality in terms of media reporting and in terms of what 
what constitutes something you know yeah. worth feeling a sort of shared sadness about what yeah. we value um, then then you're ignorant yeah and you don't know or you don't think about or you aren't concerned mm-hmm, with mm-hmm. kind of wider structural mm-hmm. inequality and um, I mean I certainly you know the the images are are striking and yes. and upsetting especially mm. if you've if you've been there yeah. um, y- you know you do attach kind of yeah. you know emotional significance to your travels that's why you, why you travel if yes. you are privileged enough to be able to do yeah. so and um, y- you know it makes makes perfect sense to me why people might yes. might feel yeah. Yeah. some sort of response yeah. and certainly if you're from Paris if it yeah. is if it's part of your home and, and the, the emotional the emotional connection to the to the to the building um seems to cover a number of different areas, right? So uh, there are people whose deep-seated faith is, is situated in that building, uh, and for them, criticism about, you know, why should we mourn the loss of a building is is perceived by them as an attack on their faith because their faith is integrally bound up with, with the building. Uh, there are people whose sadness is about their memories of of holidays. You said you know that that is that is one reason why we travel. There is also uh, a set of people whose whose sadness is about uh, a kind of more ephemeral sense of of culture and civilization and heritage, where you know the emphasis being this this building has been around for eight hundred fifty years. It it has such beautiful artwork. Uh, so there's a there's a kind of aesthetic uh, uh, sense of the 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 building represents a tangible example of of civilization and, and heritage. Yeah, and an and mm. an authentic one. Yes. Yeah. Um, there's there's I think there's a lot of assumptions about what a cathedral is, how a cathedral gets made. Um, in fact, you know, most of these buildings are. An assemblage of old and new. Yes. Um, a, a, the the Cathedral of Notre Dame has been restored and has been restored at, in, at various stages and in various ways, uh, it, regularly throughout its life. Yeah. Um, its life isn't isn't over. I mean, from a sort of architectural history perspective, or from a kind of science and technology studies Bruno Latour assemblage type perspective, or even a kind of post structuralist genealogical perspective. The building, it's this is a stage in the building's life, yeah. and much of the building has been restored or, um, you know, affected or impacted in some way. Yeah. So in terms of, of a, a, an object being the authentic original object, the building itself is not, it isn't yeah. quite so simply identified yes. as, you know... This 850-year-old building no longer is 850 years old. It's going to have a new roof, and it's not going to be... It will be fundamentally different. Mm. It's a little bit more complicated than yes. that, if you think kind of temporally and yeah. historically. Um, having said that, there's something really interesting, I think, about the the significance of, of the building itself. Um as a kind of holder or container or a sort of physical embodiment of what in the 20th century kind of came to be known as like cultural heritage. Okay. Um, the It's a UNESCO site. Notre Dame is a UNESCO site. And of course, UNESCO is a 
uh, you know, an international organization devoted to the preservation, conservation, and kind of education about cultural heritage and cultural landscape. And that is quite a new value. Yeah. The, the reason we value those things is, is very modern. And, and secular. And secular. Mm. And it comes about in the 19th century, this, this impulse to preserve the past. Yeah. You see it a lot in Britain because a lot of Britain is in ruins. Mm. Mm. Britain hasn't been so interested in, in restoring to its previous kind of look or aesthetic mm-hmm. a lot of their ruins. Pla- mm. You know, our ruins are, you know, Tintern Abbey, yeah. Roslyn Chapel only very recently got any sort of work done to it um a, a lot of a lot of our castles are a couple of rocks and mm-hmm. you're you're left to imagine what it was mm-hmm. and the the impulse to restore you know mm-hmm. is ultimately it's an impulse to rebuild and it, mm-hmm. the buildings themselves are quite contemporary mm-hmm. in terms of the materials used and that kind of thing mm-hmm. Yeah, so so it's sort of the 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 difference between sort of restoring and preserving, right? So, do we value the the current state of the building as it is, and do what we can to preserve it without introducing any more quote unquote artificial changes? Yeah. Or do we seek to go back to a more or less imaginary moment, which is identified as the peak point of the building's completeness as it were yeah before it started disintegrating yeah before and, it started to yeah. decay and do we identify that as the most authentic moment and the closer we can get to that the more restored the building is yeah yeah i mean i think and and there's something about originality yeah and sort of it's the the kind of perfect entanglement mm. of the the original purpose of the building and its most complete physical manifestation yeah. overlapping. Yeah. And for Notre Dame, that was at the height of the French Catholic Church and the the building's, mm. like, for lack of a better word, completeness, yeah. its sort of Gothic endpoint. Mm. And th- those two things overlapped for not that long, mm. a couple mm-hmm. centuries, mm-hmm. And then political and economic changes happen in Europe Mm. that mean that the church starts to transform Mm. in terms of its significance to France, in terms of its significance to Christendom, as Christendom starts to disintegrate. And the church itself, the the building itself, is is kind of drained of its prior meaning. Yeah. And it's original and, you know, reason for existence yeah, yeah. and is imbued with new types of meaning. And the building takes on new types of yeah. meaning. And that, as you say, is a process, is coincides with and is part of the process of moving yeah. from a church-based, religious-based yeah. form yeah. of political control towards a secular imagining of the state. Or perhaps coexisting. Yeah. So so both so these multiple meanings that that adhere to the building coexist. So the building can be at once the home of the Catholic Church in in France, for example, uh, and a secular state-owned 
national resource which becomes like the Eiffel Tower a sign of Paris and therefore a sign of France in a way that is completely separate from its identity as a place of worship yeah but it wasn't just a place of worship in the past yeah. so yeah. what changes is yeah. and the building itself changes as the relationship between the state and the catholic church changes the building becomes a, a site of worship yeah. a sort of a site of the history of the catholic yes. church and the grandeur of the catholic yeah. church and the kind of stages of of sort of aesthetic representation of god's mm. power in the catholic church yeah. but it is no longer a seat of power in the way yes. that it was yes. when the church yes. held power. Yes. And so it, there's a, a sort of mutation, but it kind of becomes a weird assemblage of, of its history. Yeah. And this, this the, the, the way we've been outlining the various meanings that the, church, the building still has or has had in its history is, of course, for us centrally to do with power. And the, the changes can be mapped on in a in a sort of not particularly precise way, can be mapped on to a movement of power away from religious institutions to secular nation-state. So when something like this happens, like the fire, and there is a, a demand and a, you know, generally accepted position that the building should be rebuilt, it the the power dynamics that sort of lay hidden while the building was still up come to the forefront where you know who is going to pay for the building to be rebuilt is it the property of the catholic church and therefore should ultimately the vatican as the head of the catholic church should the church be expected to pay for it itself or should it be the french government's response responsibility to to pay for rebuilding what is seen as a secular symbol of France. Yeah. Or is it, is it, should it be crowdfunded? Yeah. You know, is, mm. does Notre Dame belong to all of us? Mm. And are we therefore all responsible mm. for it if you've been or um, if you want to go or if it means something to you? Mm. Um, the, the significance of this particular cathedral. Mm. Is and certainly in the United States, you know, in other parts of Europe, is kind of accidental in a sense yeah. because there are other other cathedrals mm -hmm. in Europe mm -hmm. that are mm -hmm. just as important and powerful in terms of the history. Mm. But the Hunchback of Notre Dame completely changed mm. the sort of the the orientation of yeah. Notre Dame specifically in people's minds. And yeah. so, does it, because of its sort of cultural significance. Mm outside of itself mean that we are all responsible for it yeah we've been talking about the relationship between the the nation state and the and the church as if they are separate things and of course in particular contexts like france and america principally uh they are separate institutions but the country we are in britain there hasn't had separation of church and state do you want to talk a little bit about how the separation of church and state works in the in the specific context of Notre Dame and where how the how the response to the fire can be can be charted through as a as a as an effect of the the separation of church of state in the national context of France? Yeah, well, I, I feel like especially in Europe, because in the United States, of course, we have a a very different context, settler colony, 
Um, a lot of the kind of sacred sites in the United States are indigenous sacred sites that have been completely destroyed and, and sort of actively erased from American history. Mm. Um, so we have a very different yeah. kind of approach to old religious history. Mm. Um, but France and the United States have a similar uh, sort of structure in terms of what what the remit is, what the relationship is. Although mm. I would argue that France has a, a stricter, mm. um, mm, probably m- more dogmatic approach to mm. s- to separating the church and the state. The United States has a much more difficult mm. time yes. with this. Yes. And th- Notre Dame now is technically the remit of the French government. Yeah. It is no longer a seat of power for the Vatican or the Catholic Church. The diocese is based there, but essentially they're tenants mm. in a building that's maintained by the French government. Mm. And so they provide a sort of um, kind of political and social institution, mm. but the building itself is not a it's not neatly aligned with yeah. that institution. Yeah. They're renters, basically. Um, and the government maintains the physical infrastructure and sort of protects the building. And, and, and has else. a duty to to do so because it has signed up to the UNESCO World Heritage. Yes. Part of its commitment as part of the the French state's commitment uh, in, in, a, in listing... Notre Dame de Paris as a, as a site of world heritage is that it is it is bound to protect it. Yes, which is why I think people who aren't Catholic mm. or even people who aren't Christian mm. have had such an emotional response to what's happened because the church has been kind of decoupled from the church. Yeah. And yeah. as the French Revolution took hold and as France rebuilt its state... Um, mm. after the revolution yeah. and rebuilt itself as a kind of representative democracy and yeah. got rid of its monarchy yeah. and disassociated political power from the Catholic Church as mm. much as mm. it was able to. Um, the, the, the building itself mm. gets cut off economically yeah. from the church, the Catholic Church. Mm. Mm. And that leads to a really tenuous position for the building mm. itself. Yeah. Because it's it's never fully realized that mm. separation between church and state. Mm. The dream of secularism mm. is a, a sort of ideal. Yeah. It, it never manages to fully come to fruition yeah we should probably probably outline because there are two two as far as i can tell two competing models of secularism when it applies to the nation state yeah one is the sort of franco-american model if you like yeah which is at least theoretically the definition of secularism is that the state has nothing to do with religion yeah, and your religion state can can do what it wants, can, but state has no role in it, and religion can't get involved with the state, and the state can't get involved with the religion. Yeah. So secularism defined quite literally as the separation of church and state. 
um, which, for example, was the the reason given when uh, France instituted uh, the hijab ban yeah. uh, in public spaces because you weren't allowed to display religious symbols in public because France presented itself as the secular society. There's a competing definition of secularism which, at least theoretically and for the moment still, the Indian constitution adopts, which is not that the state doesn't recognize any religion, but that the state recognizes all religions equally. And, and protects and protects them, all religions. protects them. Should actively protect all yeah. religions equally. Um, there's a really interesting comparison to be made between the, as far as we know, accidental burning down of Notre Dame, or some of Notre Dame, versus the clearly not accidental active destruction of the Babri Masjid, the mosque in Ayodhya, northern India, which uh, in 1992 uh, was, we have to say allegedly, I guess, uh, conducted by uh, members of, supporters of Hindu fundamentalist BJP, who we've mentioned before many times, who are in, in government in India at the moment. Uh, BJP political leaders allegedly planned and oversaw the destruction of the Babri Masjid. Because you have a, a confusion as in terms of what what liberal in in the in the case of India liberal Hindus but liberal in liberal uh, politics in general confusion as to what kind of secularism is desirable because there has been a very uh, prominent liberal Hindu response to the destruction of of uh, the Babri Masjid which has been mirrored to an extent by a certain much smaller liberal response to to the, the burning down of Notre Dame, which is to say all religions are equally oppressive, we should not be funding any religious buildings, and instead of spending money building mosques and churches, wouldn't it be better to spend money on universities and schools? Um, I think our position is that it isn't necessarily a zero-sum game, that one doesn't have to choose between building a mosque and a church and building a, a university or school. But also to make that case it seems to me fatally misrecognizes, misrecognizes, is that a word? Uh, misidentifies, perhaps, yeah. uh, power relations between religions. Yeah. So the destruction of a, of a temple in contemporary India is not the same as the destruction of a mosque in contemporary India because temples and mosques have diametrically different positions with respect to hegemonic power. Yes. And the the response if if one's response as a liberal hindu to the destruction of a mosque is we should be rebuilding we should be building a church uh, building a school or a, or a university or a hospital there that means one has abdicated one's responsibility in terms of the secular indian constitution to protect and preserve the rights of all religion religions yeah and it denies it, it denies the need to take responsibility for the act of destruction itself, the alleged yes. act of destruction itself, where 
whatever you do after the fact, okay, you yeah. can you can make the case that money should be spent elsewhere or yeah. you should be prioritizing something different, mm-hmm. which is a very convenient way of sidestepping the original actions, which mm-hmm. in and of themselves are, you know, I would say worthy of and requiring attention. Yeah. And sorting through. Yeah. And a, a taking of responsibility is, is required without the need to then say what should be done with the site. Yeah. So the, the, the state has failed in its responsibility to preserve the, the rights of Indian Muslims to pray in peace mm-hmm. in that mosque. Yeah. And allowed for the destruction of the mosque. And then continues in its abdication of responsibility by not restoring the mosque and therefore not restoring the rights of people, of Muslims in India to pray in that mosque by, as you say, sidelining that that fundamental right and replacing it with a secular but particularly Hindu form of secularism to claim that all religions are equally problematic and we should have schools and hospitals instead. Yeah, because the act of the the alleged act of destruction at the start will never go away. Yeah. And that the trauma mm. and the rupture mm. in and of itself will always be there. Yeah. Which you know I think people feel that way about Notre Dame. Yes. That ultimately there something will be done. Uh, Emmanuel Macron can say, you know, whatever he wants about we're going to rebuild, we're going to rebuild, five years, it'll be back to... It's be more beautiful than before. And everyone said. says, of course, it, it, you know, but it will not be the, the same. same. Yeah. You can't undo the act of destruction. Yeah, so it will always be a church that had a devastating fire to it in 2019. Yeah. That will that will become part of, has become part of the current late 150 and possibly, obviously, much longer history, eventually, of the building. The, the narrative of history will, of necessity, have to incorporate this partial destruction and rebuilding. Yeah, which it will. Yeah. The... Power relations that we've been identifying in terms of the the division of liability, the sharing of liability uh, between a religious institution and a secular state, nation-state institution, um, is connected, I think, to a kind of, not parallel debate, a debate, simultaneous debate that is happening that we, we identified briefly at the start about the relationship between sort of value to human life and the value of material heritage as it were so one of the points of points of comparison along with these other forms of religious institutions that have also been attacked or or, or burned down or or destroyed has been grenfell so grenfell uh if you don't remember was the council housing tower block in uh one of the most expensive boroughs of London that burned down resulting in uh, huge amounts of loss of loss of life uh, investigations are still going on about, about what happened 
uh, liability is still contested uh, and people have commented not unfairly I don't think about the differing responses to the fire in Grenfell versus the fire in Notre Dame the, the latter has already uh, resulted in huge amounts of pledged money both both small donations and incredibly incredibly large donations towards a fund to rebuild it um, Grenfell the the uh, the suggestion is didn't receive that um, that kind of support uh, certainly not immediately um, where do we position ourselves in this in this dichotomy if you like this division between human value and material heritage yeah it's I mean it's an interesting question obviously because when Grenfell happened of course we were outraged we still are um, it, the more the news kind of comes out with some of the information yeah. about what happened in Grenfell, the, the mm. more angry we get. Yeah. Um, but I don't think, I think that equating them as a, as a historian, yeah. equating them means that we forget the differences in what they are yeah. and what the, what the kind of surrounding economic and social and political issues and debates yeah. really should be about yeah. what, what these two building sites mm. spaces mm. are mm. they are f they're fundamentally different mm. and what they mean yeah. to us and what they should mean to us and on the liberal side of things i think what they do mean to us are very different yeah. i don't the anger and sadness that i feel about an incident like grenfell is a fundamentally different feeling inside like if mm. you think like affectively yeah. and the, the anger and feelings of injustice yeah. about grenfell are a, a different emotional mm. response mm. and which makes perfect sense they aren't the same yeah and of course it isn't a zero-sum game you, yeah. you know it's not like it's not like there isn't enough money floating around in the world yeah. to fix all the problems yes. that we have in the world yes if we start from that Marxist perspective, yes. which is that there is enough labor, there's yes. enough capital, yeah. there are enough resources mm. to sustainably and fairly keep people alive yeah. according to some shared ethical framework, yeah. then this zero-sum game is a kind of false equivalent. Yes. Um, and also it's a, it's, it's a false equivalence that seems to position one in in terms of either one is faced with the choice of either having to discount the emotional impact the burning down of an 850 year old building might have or reject the anger that one feels at the death of human beings and i think i guess our point is that one doesn't one shouldn't have to choose yeah right one can be angry at Grenfell and recognize the emotional, spiritual uh, attachments people have with spaces of worship and also recognize that there are hierarchies between different spaces of worship and there, there are problematic hierarchies in terms of public mourning that is, that is afforded one set of spaces and not others. Um, I think part of part of the problematic response to to Notre Dame has been a kind of implicit 
linking between the the cathedral itself and a sort of tenuous conception of western civilization and then the implicit valorization of western civilization as a good thing which of course has no space for europe generally france particularly being a colonial nation uh the the incredible uh history of of oppression and abuse that has been carried out in the name of both the secular french nation and the the catholic church for example you know one one has to recognize all of those things and still think the the building deserves to be rebuilt yeah yeah there's also a really interesting thing going on from a a historical perspective around nostalgia yeah and one of the things about grenfell Mm. is it's not nostalgic it's urgent immediate and future oriented there's a a lot of the the kind of discourse around justice yes is around the fact that the the people who lived in the Grenfell Tower that was destroyed were historically disadvantaged. Yes. They tended to come from uh, communities of color, migrant communities, or communities that are kind of associated with the former colonies, yeah. and they weren't Christian. Yes. So the there's a a kind of structural kind of argument around gentrification Mm. around housing Mm. around shelter around representation and opportunity and accessibility Mm. Mm. um that is both it's contemporary and future oriented what's happened in notre dame is something i think different which is a a feeling of nostalgia for a long forgotten past. So of mm. course the, the Grenfell community has a sort of nostalgia for the, the immediate community in the recent past. Yes. Shared living memory. Yes. Notre Dame's nostalgia is a kind of projected nostalgia onto yeah. a past that we may or may not have some sort of tenuous connection to. Mm. And of course there's there's like concentric circles here mm. where Parisians feel you know, it, it is much more their past than it is mine, for yeah, example. And, yes. and, you know, the further yeah. away you get from the center of the circle, you know, the, the more nebulous yeah. and ambiguous your nostalgia yeah. is. But there is a, a long-term yeah. m- kind of mythologized yeah. existential nostalgia going yeah. on yeah. around this building that's, mm. I think, f- distinctive. Yes. Having said that, though, I think that the two do share something, which is the... On, on a very basic level the the materiality of memory yeah right the, the the fact that individual and collective memory can latch on to physical spaces and that physical space then stands in for that memory represents that memory uh one one uh, useful source here is actually the french historian pierre Noir and his idea of sites of memory, Le de Memoir. Uh, and he, he talks specifically in the French context of spaces that acquire a kind of national memory. Uh, he is most interested in, in a national memory that, that comes to comes to represent, uh, 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 I guess one example we could think about is sort of Benedict Anderson's imagined nation kind yeah. of thing. But it doesn't have to be a national memory. It can, it can be collective memory it can be a a community memory it can be a 
counter counter memory right a counter site that so so the 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 relationship between the kind of national memory that adheres to Buckingham Palace, say, versus the kind of national memory that adheres to Grenfell, mm -hmm. uh, are clearly counter to each other. Um, but but in all of these cases, there is uh, an imposing, a superimposing of uh, of a, a memory as affect, if you like, uh, as a, as an emotional attachment, which then gets adhered to particular sites particular physical spaces yeah and it's a it in that using that explanation it it makes it sound more logical than it yes. sometimes yes is it yes. is a quite an irrational and very illogical type of affect yeah. and and the the significance itself is not contentious like i think mm. you know a lot of a lot of a lot of that attachment can reasonably be challenged and say well mm. you know you don't have a right to this yeah. to feeling a connection to this building the way that i do you don't have yeah. right and so there there becomes a sort of battle over mm. whose nostalgia whose memories are most legitimately tied to the site and and those those battles often f map on f in, a, in, a, in actually a fairly clean way map on to current political contestations yeah right so so if we go back to ayodhya as an example the reason why the babri mosque the babri masjid in ayodhya was destroyed was that uh hindus many hindus especially hindu nationalists believed that ayodhya was the birthplace of ram and believed that the mosque that was there was a, was there because the, an earlier temple had been destroyed. Of course, there is no specific historical evidence that suggests there was a temple. Let's also let's also remind our listeners who may not be familiar. Ram was he a real man? No. Who is Ram? Who is Ram? Ram is a, a Hindu deity. Yes. Uh, the he the hero you can't see me using scare quotes because Ram is a, a distinctly un, unlovable character. Uh, he is he is the the hero of the Indian epic Ramayana. He represents upper class hegemonic Hinduism in its full racist misogynistic glory. Um, we you can't libel a fictional person. I can we can we can say what we want yeah. against Ram. Um, he was not real. He's not real. Uh, but but the 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 accusation against Muslims in India is that uh, the Babri Masjid is a sign of Muslim takeover uh, of his of actual Muslim conquest of his actual birthplace, even though he isn't real. Um, so the 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 contest in today's India over the space that is is the Babri Masjid was the Babri Masjid is a conquest is is a contest between whose rights are going to be recognized in in contemporary india is it going to be the majority at the expense of the minority or do the minority muslim population have a space to call their own and therefore articulate a right to be indian and muslim and that is the problem with the liberal hindu response of creating 
of of rejecting all religion and building building schools or or, or you know or hospitals because it implicitly refuses the right of indian muslims to be explicitly indian and muslim yeah the 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 the, the implication then is that india will only make space for muslims as long as they are secular and no such claim is made no such demand is made of hindu indians yeah so the 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 war of memory over these spaces like notre dame babri mosque grenfell is is a war that is not just about the past but is about absolutely contemporary political hierarchies as well yeah I think we're done. I think that covers it. That covers it. Um let us know what you think. Uh let us share your memories, experiences of Notre Dame if you'd like. Uh if you disagree with us, let us know. Um uh, tweet at us, review us on iTunes. And we'll see you next week. Bye. Bye. We hope you enjoyed this episode. I have been Hannah Fitzpatrick and I have been Anindya Vichardvi. You can contact me on Twitter at Dr H Fitz and me at Dr Anindya R. Our music was provided by the Agrarians and this has been State of the Theory. Thank you. Where would we be?